This broadcast has been brought to you by Wesley United Methodist Church. For more information, see our webpage at wesleyumc.com. It's my second week, and so if you are uh, back for the first time in a long time, it's good to meet you, and uh, make sure you introduce yourself, and maybe you were out of town last week, but glad that you're here, and it might be that this is your first time to ever come to our church, and we're glad that you're here, and hope that you have been made to feel welcome. It is always a good thing to get to a place, a restaurant, or a friend's house, or somewhere where you are made to feel welcome. It's never fun when you're on the other end of that, where you are are shunned or made not to feel welcome or you feel like you're you don't belong or that you're less than than what other people think you should be and uh, so I just you know ask you that simple question have you ever been made to feel not welcome uh, in your life has that ever happened to you we don't have to give testimony or point fingers I just wondered you know how are y'all y'all doing on that you can understand that it's it's no fun and uh, over the next couple of weeks I'm, I'm kind of looking at that that simple question of of why is that so important that we help others do that, to, to feel welcome, to be made to feel like they have a place here and that they are invited and that we have a church where you're comfortable inviting people to. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got some horror stories when it comes to that. I remember uh, probably one of my, the earliest ones that I can remember is uh, I was about nine years old and I had a friend of mine spend the night at my house and we, did what we were supposed to do on Sunday morning. We got up and we went to church and he had grown up in another denomination and uh, the expectations were different. The church that I went to was a Methodist church. It was a very high church. Uh, We had, everybody wore a suit, kids wore church clothes. And um, you know, the main goal of children in church was to behave, endure, right? Suffer through it. Okay, y'all went to that church too. But we, we did that, and I remember bringing my friend there, and he was from a different denomination. I'm not going to name what it was, but he showed up in, at church, and he was wearing uh, not church clothes. He was wearing uh, shorts and a T-shirt, and uh, that's what his family wore to church, and they were good Christian people, but, you know, different expectations of, of what you wear to church. And we got there, and I remember sitting down, and uh, he was kind of looking at me like, what did we get ourselves into? And I started talking to him through the order of worship, and I said, you know, this is where we pray, Here's the, the, the hymn that we're going to sing. And he was asking about communion. And I said, that little chiclet, the little bread wafer that we're going to have at communion, it's not going to look very good, but it, it's surprisingly tasty, right? And I, I shared with him that. And, um, and I'll never forget this, this part of it. There was a lady that was sitting about a row ahead of us. And she turned around and she looked at us. And uh, she looked at my friend. And she gave him a scornful look. And uh, she said these words, and I never forgot it. She said, you're not dressed for church. And I was nine at the time, so I really didn't know what to tell her. But if 43-year-old Rick was there, I I would have lit into her, right? I I would have. I'll just be honest with you. I would have simply said something to the effect of, when is the last time you invited anybody to church, (laughs) right? Uh, or something like that. I would have been more loving, okay? Let's just give me some credit there, right? A bit more loving. But it still, it just burns me because my friend never set foot in that church ever again, right? He, he, never, he never came back. Uh, and it's just frustrating to me every time that I see people, or you and I, when we make it harder than it should be for people to follow Jesus. I mean, uh, you, you read through Matthew and you find Jesus saying, pick up your cross and follow daily, but the gospel is hard enough 
It's, it's hard enough to be a Christian in our world today that I don't think you and I should have anywhere close to a goal to make it harder for anybody, right? We should make it easy for them to be followers of Christ, to make it clear, make it simple, make it uh, to where people have an easier time understanding exactly what God wants for them and, and, and make it an easy thing. But that's, that's not always the case. Sometimes we make it very challenging and very difficult uh, for people to follow Christ uh, just by some of the things we do that we don't even pay attention to, that we don't even realize, you know? And um, I know that y'all all, uh, that's not a problem for you, but uh, just, just think about that and, and just a, a matter, you know, are you, are you doing your best to make it to where people have an easy time coming to church and being feel, made feel welcome? Uh, probably one of the easier ways that I can think about this or translate this for you is just in terms of um, thinking about, you know, what is it like when you go to a meal and, and people don't talk to you or people don't visit with you? Uh, when I was going through high school, I went to four different high schools in uh, three years. Uh, started one that we moved, started another one that we moved, and ended up with two years in a particular high school. And I still have memories of high school going that first time that it was time for lunch and not knowing anybody and sitting at the table uh, wondering who exactly I was supposed to talk to uh, and what a, you know, terrible moment that was, right? It's never fun to, to not have somebody that you can fellowship or eat with. And I don't care what culture or background you're from, but basically if somebody won't eat with you, it sends a very clear message that you're not welcome, you're not wanted, you're not invited, right? So why does that matter so much? Well, let me share with you a piece of scripture from the book of Galatians. And this is... Uh, Galatians chapter 2, it's a letter from Paul, and it begins with, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was wrong. He had been eating with Gentiles before certain people came from James, but when they came, he began to back out and separate himself because he was afraid of the people who promoted circumcision. And the rest of the Jews were also joined him in this hypocrisy, so that even Barnabas got carried away with them in their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they weren't acting consistently with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of everyone, if you, though you're a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you require the Gentiles to live like Jews? So in verse 11, if you look at it, um, it says this, it says, but when Cephas came to Antioch, and let's see, the eight o'clock class group class service got it right. And I said, you know, who is Cephas? Peter, yeah. If you said that quietly under your breath, you get bonus points, all right? And it says, when he came to Antioch, Antioch is one of the earliest churches, um, and uh, he says that Paul has a meeting with him, and he says he opposed him to, faith, to his face because he was wrong. And what's going on here is that Paul has received a revelation from Jesus Christ. Uh, he was somebody that grew up in the Jewish background, but because of Christ working in his life, he gave all that up, and he became a follower of Jesus Christ. And he began to share it with people like you and I, who we call the, the Gentiles in the, the Bible. And he's had a successful ministry so far. He's seen good things happen. Uh, and when he meets together with Peter or Cephas, they have a, a conflict. And it seems like it's something that really wouldn't be that big of a deal. But when you begin to think about it, it, it matters a whole lot. He says that he'd been eating with Gentiles before certain people came from James. But when they came, he began to back out and separate himself because he was afraid of people who promoted circumcision. And so what's going on here? Well, Peter, Cephas, he had been eating with 
the Gentiles, these people who he's trying to love on, to share Jesus Christ with. Uh, and yet, when this other group of people from Jerusalem, uh, from James's church in Jerusalem, show up, he refuses to eat with the Gentiles. Right? Before that, he was just fine eating meals with them. But when they show up, all of a sudden, they're not good enough to eat with. And, and there's probably some pretty good reasons here. One would be that these people didn't know all the, the eating customs or the habits that the Jewish people had. Probably didn't know how to wash their hands right. Uh, they probably ate bacon, which I'm sure when Peter was with them, probably enjoyed bacon quite a bit. Who doesn't, right? And, and when, but when the, the people from the Jerusalem church show up, they, he won't go near it, right? And so there's some thought that that's the case, that, that maybe, you know, that's the issue, that they didn't know all the dietary restrictions, they didn't know that you weren't supposed to eat bacon or shrimp or some of the other things that were there. And so maybe this is what Peter's thinking, rather than teach them all these rules and all these regulations, it was just simpler for him to pick up his lunch tray and move to the other table, you know, whatever the case might be. And then there's also the thought that this has more to do with uh, their identity. Uh, it says the people that were from that church with a circumcision, that it was about an identity issue. Were they Jewish? Were they Christian? Were they something else? And so when Paul sees this, he says, you know, this, this isn't anywhere close to right. You know, these people matter to God. If they're valuable to God, then why are we spending so much time worrying about how they eat or what they eat? what their customs, what their rituals are. Why are we focusing in more upon who Jesus is to them? Why Jesus matters so much to them instead of getting caught up in what they're eating, how they're handling their food, what they're wearing, right? All down the line. And so this is what Paul points out. And when you hear other people talk about this passage, it, they make it sound like it's just basically a big old argument between Paul and Peter that they have a, you know, MMA match all of a sudden, but that's not even we're close to what you read here. Instead, you just find Paul saying, you know, why, what's the best way for us to do this? What is the absolute best way for us to share our faith with these people? What's the best way we can do this, you know? So what does that matter to us? Well, when we begin to think about the people in our lives, uh, one of the realities that I, I think we face in the world that we're a part of is that it's, it's becoming more and more difficult for us to share our faith that we're with people that are around us. I uh, was joking with the earlier crowd today, and I uh, was saying, you know, many of y'all have grandkids, and uh, one of the stories that I keep hearing as a pastor over and over again is that when the grandkids come to visit, uh, that you're going to miss church. And I'll say, I don't really understand that because, you know, if you're not sick or out of town, then you should come worship God. And, but they always tell me the same thing or the story that's more and more common than I hear is they say, well, well, they don't go to church and they don't really have much of a faith and so we're just going to stay home. And, and I get it. I'm not out to judge grandparents today. That's not my goal, you know. Uh, but it just puts you in that, that mindset of thinking about it that there's a generation that's out there and, and many that are part of that and younger or, or even people that are older that are struggling with this question of, you know, really why does the, the faith in Jesus Christ matter so much? You know, is it about having a church home? Is it about wearing the right clothes? Or is there something more at play here? Is there something deeper that, that matters uh, that goes beyond just cultural norms or expectations, right? 
I think there's a real struggle at hand, and I think there's uh, also some realities that, that people are struggling with questions about the Bible and about who Jesus is and about what can be believed is true. And over and over again, you, you, you see the importance and the, the, the impact that it has when you can make people feel welcome, get them to a place where they can hear the good news of Jesus Christ, and that they can experience the gospel in a profound way. So, when you think about your own faith, just a few simple things. First off, do you recognize and do you see why Paul saw it was so important to eat with people and to, to share life with them? You know? Have you ever been able to have a difficult conversation or a challenging conversation with somebody who it was only possible because y'all shared a meal together or had a common experience? I mean, other than that, you, you wouldn't have had a chance at it, right? Have you ever experienced that? And what is he pointing out? He's saying, if, you, if you'll get to know them, if you'll share your life with them, it makes all the difference that you welcome them and invite them and make them feel like they have a place at your table. Um, now, I find it really fascinating uh, what, what food can do and why it matters. Let me just step aside for a second here. Yesterday, uh, I took my daughter to go play tennis for a little while, and to celebrate our activity, um, I took her by the donut shop, right? You know, we'd exercised, and I thought, best way to deal with that is to fix it with some, some fast food. And uh, we got to the donut shop, and I was looking around, and they had all the, all the things out on display, and, and I was looking at what they had available. And my go-to is normally the kolache with uh, sausage, the spicy jalapeno, right? Because it's about a thousand calories and I don't have to eat the rest of the day, right? If I just have that. And so I'm looking at the display and I, I see on, on one of the markers, they have this, they had a boudin kolache. Have y'all seen these things? Boudin kolache, I mean, it's this fat piece of boudin wrapped up in a pastry. And I, uh, I'm sure this is not true, but in the back of my mind, just to reveal how my mind thinks, I was like, this is bizarre, right? I thought, how did this ever happen? I mean, for order this to happen, this means that a Cajun came over from Louisiana and he met a Texan with a Czech background, you know, that had a box of kolaches, and they, they thought to themselves, you know what would be awesome? A Buddha kolache. And to make it even more bizarre was the reality that the person serving me was from an Asian background. And so all these things accumulated, you know, all these boundaries had been crossed in order for me to have an artery-clogging artery uh, breakfast treat called a boudin kolache, you know? All because somebody had a conversation that said, you know what would be good in a kolache? Now, I didn't order it because in Lafayette, boudin was a little sketchy, right? Especially gas station boudin, you're like, I don't know. Could be beef, could be sausage, I don't know. Could be raccoon. You never know with the Cajuns. But when I, when I think about that and I, I think about the good news of Jesus Christ, I, I begin to ask the simple questions of how much better would our message be, would the good news of Jesus Christ be, if we would look beyond our, our traditions and our customs and just simply ask the question of what is the best way for us to share this great news of Jesus Christ with other people, right? 
I mean, the old cliche question was always, you know, if you were trying to share your faith with your friend or your kid or your, your grandkid, you know, what, what was it that you'd be willing to do for that, you know? And you ask the questions of, would you, would you be willing to, to go and pick them up and bring them to church each week? Absolutely. Would you be willing to read them a Bible story? Absolutely. Would you be willing to change the type of music in your worship service? No way, right? You know, that, that, that over and over again, we come back to that question of, what is it worth? You know, what, what are we willing to give in order for people to receive the gospel? What is it that we're willing to do? What are we willing to, to sacrifice in order to people to hear the good news of Jesus Christ? And when you, you put that and you begin to translate that in your own life, you know, what is it worth? I'm always marveled and always found it just fascinating when you read through the book of Romans and you hear Paul talk about how important it is to, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. You know, somebody from a, a Jewish background, he says this in Romans chapter 9, he says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ, I'm not lying. As my conscience assures me with the Holy Spirit, I have a great sadness and a constant pain in my heart. I wish I could be cursed, cut off from Christ, if it helped my brothers and sisters who are my flesh and blood relatives. I mean, do you hear the passion and the, the love and the, the, the willingness to do anything that he possibly can to help other people to know Jesus Christ? You hear what he, what he said there. I know I just read it, but, but he's saying, you know, he said, I, I'd be willing to be cursed, to be cut off from what God has promised me. He would give up eternity with God if that meant that other people could know more about who Jesus Christ is. I mean, you think about that. He's, he's saying, basically, I, I would go to hell and burn if it meant that somebody else could know the good news of Jesus Christ. Think about that passion that he would, he would do that. He would suffer. He would do anything he could in order to have people know this good news of Jesus Christ and to have it in their lives, to burn for that, to suffer for that. Now, I'm not quite there yet, all right? But I, but I see the passion, and I know how important it is, and I, and I want to be a part of that each and every moment of my life to help people to know how great Jesus Christ is. And... Um, when we think about, you know, our preferences or who we make welcome or, or what it is that we want to do, I, I, it's just fascinating to me how we get caught up in traditions or customs and habits and, and we lose sight of what we could be offering and how we could help people. And uh, the, the way that I, I, I just want to finish with this is, is the, the passage from First, First Corinthians when he, Paul talks about it. He says, uh, when he's with Jewish people, he acts like a Jew so he can recruit Jewish people. He says, uh, for those that are under the law, you know, I, I live under the law so that I can help people know who Jesus Christ is. I, I act like I am outside the law to those who are outside the law so that I can recruit those who are outside. I act weak to the weak so that I can recruit the weak. I become all things to all people so I could save some all, some by all means. You know, what, what's Paul saying? You know, if it's a matter of how he dresses or the music he listens to or who he eats with, those things really don't matter. What matters is, how am I sharing this message of Jesus Christ with other people? How am I making them feel welcome? How am I inviting them over and over again to come to this gracious love of Jesus Christ? And all those other things, they don't matter as much as, do you know who Christ is? Are you following Him? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much 
that you are a God that calls out to us, that reaches out to us, that no matter where we have been or what our background is, that you, you reach out to us through your Son, Jesus Christ, and through the hearing of your Word and the work of the Holy Spirit, our hearts grow closer to you. We pray and ask in this time that you would speak this uh, powerful Word into our hearts this day, remind us over and over again that that we are the ones that can make such a huge difference in the lives of other people. We pray also for this church, that no matter what it is that we do, uh, whether it is that we uh, pick particular songs or act in a particular way, that what matters most is how we serve you and how we share your love with other people. And all these things we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. This has been brought to you by Wesley United Methodist Church. For more information, see our webpage at wesleyumc.com.